Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am in downtown Houston at the C. Baldwin Hotel. We are overlooking the beautiful city of Houston. It's by far one of the best views. I'm looking at a skateboard park. And from what our next guest, Chris Shepard, tells me, the best place to see the 4th of July fireworks in all of Houston. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just overlooking the park and They'll fire them off right across the street from that. And so you, you have the, literally the best view. So what you're telling me is I need to be here. for the- I, I would say yes. Yes. <laughs> and I have to request this room. Because it's also AC'd and you can just hang out. And, like, <laughs> you don't have to wear pants. You can just like relax and watch it. I love it. So, Chris, you have, I mean, <laughs> there's so many great things you've been doing and so much fun give back that you've been focused on for so many years and you and I met in Aspen at Food and Wine Classic the yep. year that you won Best New Chef. Yep. And that was one of the most fun weekends. I think that'll go down as actually the best weekend. It was amazing because like showing up and like not knowing what to do and seeing all these people that you've always wanted to meet and getting to talk to them and like hang out and like it was it was really eye opening for a young cook. Like amazing. Still is. It's it's a crazy event <clears throat> it in is. a whole, but I mean that that weekend we had a lot of fun. It was so much fun. I mean the whole experience. You know, <laughs> I go back, I think about that, and and from that m- first moment, you were talking to me about Houston yeah. and about the diversity and what's here and how cool it is. And I had been already reading what you were doing here and how you were blending all the cultures and working with all the farms, and you were doing such a unique thing that hadn't been done here yet no and and I, I think it had been done but just in little little aspects of it but not to fully like embrace it and to show it to highlight it and to talk about it on a much bigger level and and when you have that platform as such of a restaurant like you can i mean that's why we cook right is to to share a story that, uh, from us that's very emotional and heartfelt from from the individual and so to be able to put that onto a plate and and just aesthetics and to talk about what you want to talk about through food it's a it's a very powerful thing so this all started with underbelly mm-hmm. and then came hay merchant uh hay merchant then underbelly we opened that uh two weeks apart okay and then from there came uh you know a few years later we did one fifth um which and was a that's an interesting concept to itself though when i heard when you told me that you were doing that i was like you're out of your mind yeah it's a five-year lease where we changed the concept we close july 31st every year and we revamp it and reopen it um onto a full-scale different restaurant different theme different food different thought processes everything service decor menu everything so ultimately you're opening a new restaurant every year for five years in a space because it's just a one fifth, right? Yeah, because I'll be there five years. It's genius. Oh, it's a great it's, it's fun. Geni- it's <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's fun. It's uh genius is a, a far stretch of a word, I think. But um it's it lets us challenge ourselves. And it I guess the smart part about it, I don't know if it's the genius part about it, but I think the smart part about it is that it gives us an actual like it to open a restaurant you know you have a concept in your mind and you have something you want to say and you have something you want to do but then you're committed for a very long time and you have no clue unless it's something that you've done before you have no clue on what the the consumer reaction is you know what costs look like like 
what does the menu look like? It, how does that menu evolve? And so it, it, uh, it gives us that 11 months to do that in, to see if, hey, do we want to do this again? So, so it's, it's a, a testing tester. ground. It's a tester. Yeah. It's and it, that, that to me is what I think is really great about it. And I've been fortunate enough to eat in two. Yeah. Yeah. They're, so, they're really good. Um, and one has one spawned off Georgia James. Georgia James. Yeah. Which is now, which was, it's very confusing. Um, when we started this, it was me for the, me for the first time jumping out of just one restaurant and going back and forth to a different one and so it made me realize that if we're going to grow the company that I have to change a lot of things me personally the way the restaurants work and so uh, we really liked how the steakhouse went and so I was like you know what let's look for a spot and then that happened and I was like you know Underbelly is that space because um, Underbelly was a restaurant that was consistently based on inconsistency there was nothing consistent about it. The menu changed it every day. The food changed every day. Like everything changed. So the guest never had a clear vision of what it was. If that makes sense. Like But it was the anticipation and excitement of not knowing what they're gonna get walking through the door that kept them coming through the door. Yeah, and you know, the because we only did whole animal at the restaurant and we only did local produce, like an animal will only yield so many pieces. And a farmer will only bring so much. And so if you got there at like 9.30 or 10 o'clock on a Friday or Saturday night or any busy night, like there was 22 dishes on the menu. We may not have four of those by the time you got there because, you know, that's what the animal yields. And so um, it was one of those things that it was so much fun to do and it was great. But as a longevity thing, if I wasn't going to be in that restaurant steering that ship with the guys, it was hard. Yeah. It yeah. takes its toll. It does. And so for balance in my life, it was one of those things like it needed to change. And so we started, you know, we, we opened up Georgia James in this space. Well, we said we were going to open up Georgia James and Underbelly. We gutted it. And at that point, it was like, well, what do we do with the Underbelly philosophy and the Underbelly style of food and the showcasing our city, the things that I truly love? And so there was a restaurant in between the two that it had closed. And so I jumped on that and opened up UB Preserve because we were preserving the thoughts and, and cultures of our city. And uh, so we brought in, you know, I, I, I met with a chef and really talked to him and walked through him. And Nick Wong, who is the, the chef at UB Preserve, uh, decided to move here and like bless our city with his amazing talents. I mean, and you've worked with him. So Nick's great. He's a he's a remarkable human being, and the city of Houston is so lucky. Um, I'm so jealous that he's here. Yeah. I'm I'm excited that I'm here now, and I can see him more and be able to appreciate what he's what he can do. I yeah, mean, actually, you're all, so lucky to have all the of the chefs with. now that we have. Um, Matt Staff moved from Dallas. Greg Peters was from who runs uh, Matt runs One Fifth. Uh, Greg runs uh, Georgia James and then Victoria runs our pastry program. They're all kind of from around Houston um, or in Texas and have moved back here. Uh, and they are, I mean, the, the, as far as a company goes, it's I couldn't have better staff right now and a better crew of people working with us. And Nick Fine, the culinary director, same thing. And then front of the house, same thing. Like I have such an amazing team that um, has really worked out. 
It's awesome. And it shows. I mean, it, it really comes through in every every aspect of it. I mean, yeah. the vibe and the feeling. It's amazing. Last year was hard, you know, because we, we opened up one. We opened up Preserve in May. We did um, 1 5th, September 1st in Georgia James, October like 15th, and then had Southern Smoke on the 31st of September. So we threw a massive festival and opened three restaurants in six months. You know, it's it's funny. People always say that chefs are almost masochists in a way. We push ourselves to the limit. We never stop working. We're always about making people smile. Very true. And we're pretty unhospitable to ourselves a lot of times. <laughs> well, I keep saying that at some point here pretty soon, like we're getting ready to close, you know, one fifth for the year or for for this concept and then flip it really again pretty quickly. Um but like that's all I want to do. Like I'm good this year. Go through Southern Smoke, and I'm I'm done. Like I, I, I <laughs> too I, much. I, I need to get into January, you know, <laughs> and, and just like let everything ride and just really maintain what we're doing because I feel I don't want to go too much faster than that right now. It's it's amazing sometimes how those opportunities come to fruition, and then you're like, man, this is. Sometimes you can't let it go, and you do say, I don't want to do anymore, but the opportunity is so wonderful that you can't say no to it. Yeah, I mean, I. We but we a, do, we do, and then you got to then you got to. It's that inner inner brain in the back. It's saying, dude, say no. No I, is no is a magical word. I just had that happen. We had something down here downtown, and I was like, yes, it's an amazing deal, but. I physically just I I don't want to do that to me or the staff right now. It's like I'm gonna to have to walk away, and they're like, "Are you are you serious? Like, this is the most amazing thing ever." I was like, "Yeah, I don't. I'm not gonna do it." And so, I th- I think those things will were were rear itself again. You oh know, yeah, those things keep coming back and coming back, and uh, you know I'm getting those kind of things right now too. And so it's like finding what's best, not just for a business aspect, for a a sustaining aspect for life. And I think that's a really powerful message because I think a lot of people, you know, when we're younger, we drive hard yeah, and we don't know how to shut ourselves down a little bit or take a break or breathe or take care of ourselves better or take care of the people that are around us better because we're so driven to, we, we see it's like a dangling carrot. You're trying to always reach that carrot. Well, you have to take your time and there has to be some balance in life. And so I think that's been the most, like I'm always telling our, our crew, you need to take your days. Like, don't work yourself. Like, And they're like, wait, you're asking me to take time off? I'm like, yes. Like, you have to. Like, I don't want to see. I, they'll come in the restaurant on a day when they're not supposed to be there. And I'm like, you need to turn around and leave right now. And they're like, wait, what? What? I'm like, go. Like, go do something. But do something other than being here. Don't be here. Don't think about this place. And take your time. Clear your head. Because as chefs and as cooks and just restaurant people in general, if you don't take that time, then you you spin your wheels too hard and you don't get anywhere. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Southern Smoke because I was fortunate enough to be here this spring to yeah. participate in, that was the first time you've done it in spring, yeah, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you had a one-week dinner series and you did a whole event around town where one particular dish, the profits, went to mm-hmm. Southern Smoke. Yeah. And can you explain to everybody, like to me, Southern Smoke, I think is genius. I think it's so powerful. And um, I was honored to be a part of it. And I'm really looking forward to this year. I'm doing it again. <laughs> you get to do the festival. I get to do the festival. So I'm really psyched about that. So I think it's 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 a game-changing thing for the community as yeah. well as our industry. Yeah, it was, it was one of these things that uh, we were doing a dinner series to uh, 
raise money for culinary scholarships, which I thought at that time in my life was super important. Um, you know, having gone to school and worked full time and gone to school full time and then tried to pay back, you know, a, a, you know, culinary school is not cheap and, you know, you get out, you don't make a lot of money and that's just part of it. And, but how do you pay those debts? So we, we were doing that to pay for school. And then I had a guest Sam come in that we worked, uh, together before. And so my, my GM slash Sam could be with his family on Sundays. I was like, you need to take your time, Antonio, can you please come in and do this? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to. Cause he was working at a wine shop and kind of, you know, needed to get back into his service mode. And, um, he came to me after we did the dinner series before we started to ramp up the next ones. And he was like, are you going to do these again? And I said, I don't know, maybe. And he said, if you do, can we do one that benefits MS? And I said, well, wh why do, why that? And he was like, well, cause I, you know, at 42 got diagnosed with MS and I was like, all right. He was like, I'm good financially, but like, I need to bring awareness to what is happening in our society, in our city, really. And so I said, no, we're going to, we're not going to do a dinner. We're going to throw a little event. I'm not really sure how this works out. And so long story short, um, we ended up throwing a big party in the backyard. We had some chefs come in from out of town and some local chefs and, and, um, <laughs> we ended up that first year raising $181,000 for the MS Society, our local chapter. And then, then we did it again the next year and did 284. And we kept growing and growing. And like it was one of these things that was a, such a good feeling uh, event. And so we had year three scheduled. And uh, we were about a month and a half out. And then Harvey came through and took its toll on our city. And I had chefs and restaurant people reaching out to me, you know, day after, day of how do I get money into the hands of service people, people in the industry? And I was like, I don't know. Like there's a lot of funds, like Red Cross isn't going to help the, you know, uh, like immediately be able to help somebody that works in a drive-through or that stocks the milk or whatever. Um, and so I looked at Lindsay who does PR my better half. And I was like, we have to change. We have to change what we're doing right now we can't do this for MS this year. We need to do it focused towards hospitality. So we figured out a way um, by working with Legacy Community Health, our hospital right next door to us to do a, a application process where people could come in or just apply online. And then it went through a verification process of like, yes, you worked in the industry. No, you didn't have insurance. Um, and then there was an awards committee. So once their names were put on the, the thing, then once they were verified, it went to a, um, blind ballot or a blind uh it was just basically what the problem was not who it was so we never knew who we were helping um and i never knew until um one of our, our Catherine lot our executive director came up and she handed me a stack of 139 checks and i was like to be mailed out that day and i was like this is awesome and she was like it's a half a million dollars i was like what she's like we are sending out half a million dollars to 139 families to get them through right now. And it was fast. And so it, after that, I realized that we needed to change even more that this was a common thing, um, in our industry that traditionally, you know, it's week to week a lot of times for a lot of people in the industry and they don't have insurance. They can't afford it. They aren't offered it. And so how do we take care of those people that are coming in time of need when uh, something happens, whether it be a really dark night or whether it be 
Um, you know, just you need to talk to somebody or you twist your ankle and it's like, how do I go to the doctor? You cut yourself, you burn yourself, you do something. How do you not work and pay your bills and go to the doctor? So, um, we now have it set up where there's a, it's a 24 hour application process that is handled really quickly. Um, and we put money in the hands of people that are in crisis and in need as fast as possible. So again, it doesn't matter if you, you know, drive the delivery van, if you plant the carrots, if you, you know, are a pig farmer, or if you own a restaurant or if you, anything, any, anybody in our industry that isn't in a time of need right now, um, we need to, we want to be the safety net for them. And so um, now we're really close to actually having uh, a grant that sponsors a 24 hour hotline with people that actually understand what restaurant folks are going through. So that to me is like amazing because if we just get somebody that's going to answer the phone, it's like you're calling my mom and she's like, oh, it's going to be all right. You know, I don't really know what your problems are. But if you have somebody that can listen to you and understand what those problems are that happen on a night service or whatever, um, I think that's more beneficial. It's incredible. Yeah. So it's been it's been a fun ride. You know, we we've we're the we've donated back at this point like one point four million in four years. And so and applications get put in every day from what I understand. And, you know, I see I guess once a once a week I get the we just hundred thousand or ten thousand dollars here, five thousand dollars here. So it could be anywhere from five hundred bucks to one person right after the festival last year, we helped them get into uh, a rehabilitation center for a serious like brain injury, and it was $100,000. So, I mean, that uh, is what we can do to get people back on their feet and get back where they need to be. Clear it's heads a, and clear minds. I mean, it's a, it's, you're, I mean, you're like a guardian angel for so many in our business, in the community, and I think that's our, in, in Houston, it's, that's huge. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize that, you know, like you're saying, there are people that are in our business and in our community every day around us that we don't realize what their daily struggle is. No, I, I mean, you can walk through the restaurant and see in people's eyes. You know, if you if you see your staff and know your staff well enough. And it's just like my constant thing is like, you good? And, you know, the, when they say the answer. Yeah. Uh, if you hear that, uh, it's like, hey, man, you want to talk? All right, let's do this. And let, or they have, they know that they have the option to talk to people, and that's even better because, like, they don't talk to me. Like, when they call these hotlines. It's not me. They don't know who it is, um, and we don't know who they are. So unless they want the the, the full on help, and then Catherine is the only person that knows that. And so it's it's very anonymous, and it's very man, it's awesome the way it's been set up. That's great. I'm really happy with what what's going on because you know traditionally with especially with charitable organizations like people throw these big parties and then like what 20% 10% goes back yeah. so um we've been the thing that we've been striving really hard is that 90 91% of every dollar that's raised goes back to helping somebody in our industry which is unheard of that's an awesome number yeah it's unheard of so as long as we can keep it up there like that and i know that we're putting money into people that need it you know whether it's car breaks down that's your mode of transportation to work we can help you with that like it's it's all sorts of scenarios so that's and that's big as i think a lot of people are and there's definitely a, a fear in our industry to ask for help it, huge it's it, nobody wants to do, i sat in a meeting with an individual one time and she was talking to me about i'm about to lose 
my uh, catering spot because I'm having a hard time. I need to go see the doctor for this, so I'm having a hard time paying for that, but I need you to help me find this catering spot. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> Why are we having this conversation right now? First off, you need to be talking about the, the, the bigger problem in the room is that you're having to go see a doctor for something, but you are having a hard time paying the rent at this place. Don't start talking about paying the rent if you like where you're at. You shouldn't have to have that problem. That's what Southern Smoke is for. Like, I'm not telling you to do this, but it's a, your option. It's there. And so to be able to help with that, that's, that's huge. You know what? Because come to find out, they did that. And now they're still in their place, not having those worries. So like, it, don't be shy about it. If there's help that needs to happen, you have to do it. Because it's too much stress. This industry is too stressful to begin with. And then to add on that stress of not knowing and fear, that's unsustainable. It's true. I think you you're you're hitting a nail on a head like with a gigantic hammer. <laughs> yeah. And I think people people need to hear that and I think it's amazing knowing that there's a place to go, someone to talk to, whether it's they just need to talk on the phone with somebody mm-hmm. or whether they are in financial dire straits or they have had an injury. I think it goes a long way to know that there are people out there. Yeah. I mean there 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 are everywhere. Um, you know, the Giving Kitchen in Atlanta is amazing for what they do as well. Um, and we based a lot of what we do off of, of what they were doing. And I think if other cities and other people in other cities can start to look at that too, um, then there can be a bigger change amongst, because, you know, I, I know friends from other cities, like, how do we do this in this city? I'm like, you have to find your network. Like, and that's the biggest thing. Like we have legacy. That's our community health hospital. And, you know, there's attorneys that'll help you. There's, you know, financial people that'll help you. There's all these people that'll help you in your own city. And they're your guests that come to your restaurants. And it starts with that, you know, just if you have a good friend that's doing something, hey, how do I do, how do I get down this road? How do I get somebody? Because people in the medical business will help you. <laughs> like That's their job. Well, like, they that's they want there. to do it. They want to see people be healthy. They're there to, they're, their goal. I mean, they take an oath. Yeah. They have an oath. I mean, it's it's a solemn oath to make sure that people, are, if they're at, like, you, you good? No. Okay, let's talk. Let's do. Let's go. What's wrong? Yeah. You know, that's their job, and they love doing it. That's why they do it for a living. And so, every community can have that. It's just, it's it's so corny when I say it, but it, and it's the truth. If you're not willing to stand on the side of the water and smash your foot at the edge, the wave never starts. And so, you have to be able to do that first. And then that wave builds. I think it's a it's a daunting task for a lot of people. It is. It's huge. And it's overwhelming because in typical fashion, just like we said a moment ago, people are afraid to ask. Yeah. People are afraid to stick their hand out and reach for that initial like, hey, how can I get this started? And and it may be their guests that they know. There's doctors and attorneys and there are people out there that want to help, just like you said, but, but it's tough to if you can start it on a smaller scale, like I jumped in and we were two restaurants and I was like, we have to do this. And it, for your staff, like for all of the individuals that work with you, it's the biggest motivating factor you can have in a restaurant because everybody wants to be a part of that. Everybody is like, it's my favorite time. It's my favorite day of the year. It's what do I have to do? Put me to work. I want to do this. I want to help. And it's, because I can't sit and cut checks to people. 
Like none of us in the restaurant business can just do that. Like there's, there's not that much money out there. So if you're going to do all of these events for other people, make sure that like, that's another thing. Like you get asked to do events all the time, right? Only for good things. Like you have to do it for what's right. And once you can deem that, and if you start your own thing, well, then you're putting everything towards this one thing. And yeah, I ask a lot up for a lot of people. Right. But in the end, like it's for the right reasons. You know, there's not money going into our pockets. Like I'm not, I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that our people are, are good. Good. <laughs> like, Cause you know, and it's, it's amazing. It's one of those amazing feelings that you'll never be able to have unless you do something like that. But like walking into a restaurant, someone come up, coming up, start crying, give you a hug and you have no idea why. And it's like, you helped me get through one of the hardest times I've ever had. And it's like, that is amazing. Well, don't take that for granted. Right. They won't. They don't. And that's the thing. They'll never forget. Yeah. It's awesome. And they're always going to give back now. Yeah. And they're always like, how can I help? You know, it's like, I, man, just do, you help yourself for a while. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. All right. We got this for right now because, you know, it's, it's, uh, we got this, you know, October 6th coming up. I know, which is going to be amazing. Yeah, it is. I mean, the the cast of characters you've brought out for this year is <laughs> yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah, it's funny when someone does it once, they're like, you know, can I come again? Can I come again? I'll be here every year. Like, And it's like, that's cool. And that's how we grow this thing. Because we, they, we all know, you know, that we're doing it for the right thing. You know, it was, it's it's been a fun ride. And, you know, it's these things get bought and sold all the time. And I was like, I'll never sell this one. I'll never let anybody take this for this granted. Is this is, this, it's you, you know, you, I could never see you ever. No, not doing this. No, I, I got it. You know, we're going to, everybody wants to grow real fast with it. And like, Oh, we need to do it out here. You know, we need to take this nation. It's like, man, slowly don't put the cart in front of the horse. Let's do this right. But that's also the nature of people and excitement of people. At least that that's a good sign. It is. And I think because it's people are excited about the potential of helping more people. I mean, I want to do this in every city. But that's a that's a full-time job, you know. Exactly. I mean, it's a full-time job for one, you know, for doing one event a year, but to do multiples like that, I I have respect for people that can do that. It's a lot. I can't you know, I can't imagine <laughs> the amount of time, energy, and the amount that you're giving back is just so awesome. That's amazing. And yeah. I'm honored to be a part of it. Thank you so much for being a part of it. Oh, it means a lot. It's, you know, and, and, and the, there's so much about here in Houston that has become, every time I come here, I find out more and I learn yeah. more. And, you know, the first time I came out and when I called you, you showed me so many things in literally in such yeah. a short period of time. Let's go. Let's go. And the, this is one of the most culturally diverse cities. Yeah. It's it, amazing. It's so can you give everybody a little bit of a little taste of what I mean the 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 city's dish is pho. Easily. Tons I mean there's every I mean pho and banh mi shops everywhere. Huge Vietnamese community. But there's so much more than that, and there's so yeah. much more going on here, and it's it's so diverse. The, there's so much unique product here. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so different, you know. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, and they're like, "What are you excited about?" And I said, "Well, it's different products, different seasons." It's <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> it's really hot here. 
<laughs> well, it's really hot, and, and that's the. It's really hot for three or four months. Yeah. But and, and uh, I was with somebody from the northern part of the country. And they're like, how do you live down here? And I was like, you know what I don't have to do? And they're like, shovel your driveway. I don't have to shovel heat. And they're like, what? I was like, when it comes December and you're shoveling and you can't get to work and your restaurants are completely dead because nobody will go out, I don't have that problem. True. Like, I, you know, there's great places like California that are always beautiful and sunny. And like that's that's a rarity, you know? Yeah. But for here, like, yeah, it's hot, but we do AC really well. Yeah, you do. <laughs> We're, it's the funny part is like having to a lot of times bring like, you know, Lindsay's got to bring a jacket or a sweater when we go out to dinner in July and August. And it's like, yeah, it's part of it. You get into a cold car, you, you know, get it going, walk into My a cold glass is fog leaving a building constantly. Yeah. It's kind of like going into the walk in and coming out yeah, always nonstop. I was like, oh, this is dangerous. Like I'm going to get run over. <laughs> but in, in, you know, in, in January, December, I very rarely have to wear a jacket. You know, it's 65 degrees and it's beautiful. And so we have such a long season for that, which gives us the longer growing seasons. Yep. You know, things like tomatoes are really short, like heirlooms are like three weeks maybe. Um, but you just learn to adapt to that. But we have strawberries for seven months. And we start so- strawberry season in December, which is unheard of, you know. Our starts in March. Yeah, we, we end in May. And we, then as soon as May's over, as soon as strawberries are over, blueberries, blackberries, dewberries, peaches, and then figs. And then amazing. we then we roll into citrus season a couple months after figs are done. We're starting to, you know, figs are starting to close off right now. So. Well, what's amazing is when I was here for the, the Southern Smoke Spring, mm-hmm. yeah. you guys were getting the first stone fruit. Yeah. which And it was delicious right off the gate. Yeah. Like right out of the gate. Super delicious. Super sweet. So when kind of give everybody like how you got here, because it's, it's not everybody takes a road to get to where they want to be. And Mm. sometimes you don't even know where you want to be, but you, I didn't. And, you know, and you are here now and doing so many wonderful things and working with such great people. And, but it's, it's never an easy road and it's never a direct road. And I think for a lot of folks, and especially a younger generation of cooks, they're all trying to figure out what's the, what's the path? How do I get there? But I, I personally don't think there is any direct road or there is any, any specific road you have to take or any formula there is. It's just the individual finding their way. You just got to do it. I mean, that's the thing is like make smart decisions. Like I moved here to go to culinary school from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was like, I'm going to go back to Tulsa and work there after I finished school and I got through school and I started seeing Houston and I was like, that would just be really not the best move if I were to move back to Tulsa and be a, eventually a big fish in a small pond when I can be a very small fish in a very big pond and work my way through this product. At that point I had no idea about all the, the farms around, you know, cause it was just a young cook and, so I just put my head down and started working in the city and, and, uh, I worked for the Brennan family for like nine years here in Houston and I learned a lot and then went and opened up a restaurant called Catalan, um, with the guys from Ibiza and did that for four years. And then after about three years, I realized that I needed to do my own thing. But 
there's a there you know you're you're missing a little in there like <laughs> come on now you know you you know a lot about wine yeah well that was the thing at brennan's that's why i was there for nine years i, I was seven years in the kitchen and then uh i just out of like always wanting to learn something new um i started a cheese program which nobody had ever done in the city and like my chef and gm at the time were like ah just do you man just do you and i was like all right and then i fell in love with wine and i wanted to learn about that and so ended up taking the first level of the court of master sommiers just as the sous chef like i just wanted to know and then the psalm was leaving and i told him hey i can i'm already doing all the purchasing i understand how to buy and sell i understand wine at this point and i want to learn more about it so can i just take over the wine program and they looked at me and they're like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I'll go out and sell it on the floor. I want to, I want to learn. I need to understand the correlation. There's a, there's a magazine called food and wine. I better understand both and understand the correlation of like what a guest needs, what a guest wants, what, you know, it was standing in the back and one of the managers come back and said, well, the guest said this, they didn't like this. And I was like, tell them they're wrong. And it was like, no, you go tell them. And I was like, I can't do that. Why would I ask you to do that? And so I wanted to understand how that happened. And so that's why I took over the wine program and did that for a couple of years, but it was more learning service and learning what guests want and learning how to, as a chef, you don't see that. You don't understand the, unless you're in an open kitchen all the time and you're really paying attention, you don't see when a guest move their hands, what are they looking for? What's a, what is their look when they first get a plate and they first dive in? But what does it look like towards the end, too? And so it's like trying to decipher one of our guests' needs and wants throughout their dining experience. And I think it made me better at what I'm doing because I can see that. Because I, you know, I love an open kitchen now. And I, like, I'll be standing back there and I'll see my manager walk by. I'm like, table 22. They need something. And like, they're fine. I'm like, no, no, they need something. And they walk over and they actually do need something. And so it's like just being aware of those, your surroundings. So it was, that's, uh, it's played a huge part. So yes, you're right. <laughs> See, I know, I know these things, but I think it's interesting that because a lot of young cook, that's a perfect example of the young cook mentality. No, you tell them they're wrong. Yeah. I learned that was not the right way to do it. We are there for them. Yeah. They're they're the ones that really ultimately allow us to do what we do. Yeah, because if they don't, if you don't let them tell you that, they don't come back. Yeah, and then that's a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. that's why restaurants go out of business. Yeah. We're there to make people smile, and we give taste memories. That's a great word. Isn't it a good idea to give them good taste memories and yeah. good experiences? Like, Absolutely. Because at the end of it, like. And that's what I try and I think the younger cooks don't really understand is that at the end of it, you know, the ego plays into it a lot. Like, oh, they're going to remember that dish forever. And they don't. Like, they just don't. Like, remember, and I think it happens because a lot of cooks don't go out and eat as much. And I think that they should. And then ask that question, like, do you remember that dish you had two, three years ago? Like, no, I don't. But that restaurant was awesome. You remember that, right? You remember the experience. You don't remember what you drank. You don't remember server's name. Half the time you don't remember who you were with unless it was like just your significant other or like a family member or what have you. And you don't really remember the food, but you remember the experience. And that overall is the most important thing. 
Because you crave that experience again. You crave mm-hmm. that feeling. Remember they did this. They did this. They did this. It was the little touches that people remember. Yeah. I mean, there's so many that you can... Mm-hmm. I have... There's thousands in my head. I mean, you've traveled. You've eaten everywhere. Like, so have I. And so, like, when you sit back and think about it, it was what was the defining moment that you would go back to this city to go to this restaurant that you ate at six years ago? Like, that's a question. Like... Because even going and doing like a 27 course tasting menu or whatever, like you, you don't remember all of that. No, there are moments. I think there are glimmers of things that you do remember. Yeah, like absolutely. you remember your first three Michelin star experience. Yeah. Everybody that has that will remember that. Yep. Right. The first one. I think there's always those moments, but there is that, you know, it's everything. It's the environment, you know, it's, there's so many moving pieces to make that moment so special for everybody yeah it's um once you can understand that thought process though the one or two things uh you know it was it was amazing we went to to eat at zahav uh last year for the first time and they sent everything under the sun out oh yeah yeah that's definitely a michael and it was so delicious (laughs) and then the next day I was talking to him. He was like, it wasn't, <laughs> and I try to use this now. Um, he said, how was the experience? And I said, it was great. He's like, what's the one dish that you wouldn't do again? And I was like, it, I, I stood back. I was like, what, 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 what? Like, that's not a question I could ask. Like, it's like, what was your favorite dish? Right. But the question was, what was the dish that you wouldn't do again? And I just stood there and it was myself and Nick and Matt and we were just standing all three of us just was like how do I even answer that first off you're opening yourself up right as a chef you're opening yourself up to be you didn't like something I want to know what that was but it was like my answer was like uh the potato dish I probably wouldn't do again just because I'm not a big potato fan it was delicious and executed properly but it wasn't my favorite thing and he's like because you get hit with so many things that it's the total experience that you remember, not the dishes. But I want to make sure that the one dish that you didn't like, you'll remember that one just as much as you will the one that you love the most. And it was like, God, that's such a smart thing to do. That's what makes Michael Michael. Yeah. That's why he's he's fun. He's excited. He's positive. He wants to give everybody the best moment. Yeah. And that's such... That's what makes him him. Yeah. I can't like, there's no way like around that. He's just, he's fucking good. Yeah. Cause you open yourself up to like, you could take a hit. This dish sucked. And you're like, okay, well, you know what? Now we need to work on that. Instead of like, why do you need to be told the really good dishes? Because they're really good. You know it. Right. But if there's one that you're kind of questioning in your mind and they tell you that, but now you need to refocus on that one. So it was, and it wasn't anything negative that was said. It was just like, I just don't like potatoes. Like a plate of crispy potatoes doesn't do anything for me. I'm a weirdo. I know. It's fine. You don't like French fries. I, I'm not a big French fry person. <laughs> if you put avocados with it, then I'm probably not going to like that even more. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. We're not going to go down that road because yeah. I know that road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've had this conversation. Yep. It's easy. I think, so what's next? We've got Southern Smoke coming up mm-hmm. and you're switching over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In the next couple of weeks, you just got engaged. I did. She's Congratulations! Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, she is. She is. She's the best. 
I'd be totally hosed right now <laughs> if Lindsay, I wasn't working with Lindsay. Yeah. She's showed me so much. You've showed me so much. Welcome me to this city. Um, I can't, I can't even begin. You high five. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know why, but she likes me. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, she's, I think when you find someone in life that makes you just a better human. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And recognizing that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's amazing. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So what right now, like I think giving, give people a little bit of taste of Houston, kind of like you gave me when I came here. I mean, when you start to think about Houston, I mean, it's 680 square miles, so it's massive. Um, but it's, it's the, Largest small city you'll ever go to because anywhere you go, like Houstonians are Houstonians. They believe in each other. They love each other. They support each other. They will be there for you. Um, and, and it's when you have that you know, city of 4 million people that have your back, it's awesome. And then, you know, you start talking about the diversity and why Houston is what it is. I mean, it's definitely not a city that's built up. It's built out. And so there's sprawl. And so you definitely have communities of people that um, are taking care of their own communities. And when you can kind of scratch the surface on that, whether it's going out and going to eat Vietnamese, I mean, that's the easy, clear one because there's so much of it. But the same with the, the Mexican population here too and the Salvadorian population that you start talking about it and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a huge Indian population and then here's, there's a huge Middle Eastern population and then there's a huge, you know, there's not a large Japanese population, but there there's not a large Korean population, but they have like there's a Korean part of the city. Um, and so when you start branching into these little things and start having meals, and um, for me that's what it was was um, I went to a restaurant, a Thai restaurant. Same thing with the Thai. There's not a lot of Thai, but there's really good Thai, right? There, there's you know it's uh, it's very focused. And so I went to a Thai restaurant once and. Uh, it was a BYOB. We brought a couple bottles of wine, and I said, I would really like this dish and this and this. And he was like, okay, those are fine. This one, no. And I was like, why? He was like, it's not for you. And I was like, I profiled you. Oh, absolutely. And I was like, what do you mean it's not for me? He's like, that's for the tie. He's like, you're not going to like it. And I was like, I want it. And he was like, okay. And, and it's, a, it's a normal question. Like, <laughs> it's the same question, you know, and, and, and I understand. I understand it completely. Um, because they're trying to give you the best possible experience. What was that dish? Uh, it was nim nung. It was a, a fermented raw uh, Thai sausage with herbs, peanuts, shaved ginger, red onion, and lime juice. It's good. It was awesome. It's it good. I've awesome. had that before. <laughs> and, and so, oh, yum nim. I'm sorry, yum nim. Uh, nim nung is Vietnamese dish of kind of the same thing. But anyway, um, it was yum nim. And so I was sitting there and I was like, I want everything else like this. And he was like, okay. And so he just started bringing out dishes that were specifically for um, the culture. And it made me realize that there's so much of that here, but you're not going to get that experience without having conversation. So it made me go out to all these places and just sit down and order like three or four things and then just be like, what would you eat if you were sitting here? And they're like, oh, well, I would eat this. And it's be like the generic thing. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, let's go deeper. And they're like, okay, this, this, and this. And I'm like, let's go. And you know, cause at the end of it, like you're talking about food that's 
of the people, really. And so generally it's like, what, 8 to 12 bucks, right? I've spent a lot of money on really bad high-end dinners. We all have. We all have. It just happens, right? It's an experience that you didn't really enjoy. But with this experience, you're going to go in and spend 50, 60 bucks and have enough food for like six. And you're going to learn so much. And you do that over and over and over again at the same place. And then finally, they're just like, what are you doing? It's like, I'm just learning. And then the conversation happens. And then you can sit back and to learn about a culture, the easiest way to do that is through food. Because it's the common denominator that we all have. And it's the one thing that if I don't know it, you want to teach it to me, but only if I'm willing to listen. Well, how many cultures is it when you're greeted, it says, have you eaten yet? Yeah. Are you hungry? You hungry. Right? It's, and there's, I think, I don't speak but really bad kitchen Spanish. Yeah. Pretty piss poor English yeah. at that. But, <laughs> you know, I think when you start to look at it from a whole, food breaks boundaries. Absolutely. Religion, culture, yep. family feuds, race, everything. It can, p- politics, it can break all those boundaries. You sit down and you break bread. Conviviality is a powerful tool. Yeah. And, and that's, in this city, it's so easy to do that. Because it's just wanting, if you show that you're interested, the door opens immediately. And then there's a friendship that can happen. And then there's like... All of a sudden, like, if I start cooking a dish and I'm like, man, the flavor on this isn't really right. All right. I call Auntie at London Sizzler. And I'm like, hey, I'm working on something. She's like, come down. I have tea. Okay. So I go down. I have tea with her. We're there for four hours. Tea is three hours of it. And we're just, the conversation is the beautiful part. And then it's, let me show you this. Bam, 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 bam. I'm like, man, that's, man, that's. How did I miss that step? You know, and she's like, it's all about this. Quit cooking like an American. Think about what you're doing. And it's like, you're right. She's like, I, and I, like, I sat and watched her one time, just throw so much like chili into a dish. And I was like, no way you're going to be able to eat that. And she's like, taste it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so balanced. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? And she's like, I don't cook with fear. And I'm like, oh, all right, you're right. But it's, it's having those conversations and learning pe- from people and them learning from you too because there's plenty of back and forth conversation. Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Hey, can you show me how to, where do you get this? Where do you get this? And so there's lots of these conversations that go back and forth. And so it becomes not so much, it becomes more family. Like, uh, there's pockets of little family you of, choose not family yeah that's exactly <laughs> it yeah you know and all of a sudden you're going to their weddings or the kids weddings you know it's like you're part of their you know their culture and their family and their their thought process and love and their heart and that's the biggest part because um if you just sit and take and not give back to it it doesn't make any sense but when you can be a part of their community that helps everybody to grow then then it makes sense and that's that's houston in my eyes it's taking the time to have lunch with somebody and to really appreciate what they do. You know, there's plenty of the places that you can go into and they give you the generic menu and then you can be like, I'm be like, man, you know what? We've done this about 50 times. Can I have the other menu? And like, Hmm, yes. And then it's the, you know, if you don't like it, you have to pay for it. I understand that it's seven bucks. Like, <laughs> 
I know that, you know, <laughs> if I don't like cold tendon, I'm going to be paying for that. Like, that's the yeah. thing. But they have to yeah, say that. Yeah, but you that. end up, it's delicious. Yeah, but they have to say that because there's been so many times that they've been burned. Yeah. And then that person doesn't come back because they had a bad experience because they didn't like what they ordered. That's why it's they're not, profiling guests yeah, and saying, you know what, you're not going to like this. You have to. They have to because at the end of the day, they're still looking at, like, they're feeding a culture that's theirs, right? And they're feeding their people. And when somebody else comes in and tries something that they're not used to and they don't like it, they write off the whole culture. Exactly. And that's rude. And so I understand they're very protective and you need to be. But if you go into it and be like, I understand that, like, let's just do this for the experience and try it. You may not like that, but we did this, Nick Wong and I, right? Not too long ago, went to a, a new Nigerian restaurant and they were like, have you ever eaten Nigerian food? I was like, nope. Let's go. Like, what do I have? And she's like, how adventurous are you? I'll, I'll eat anything. Let's go. And so. You do realize that that should be, you should have that t-shirt made for you. I'll let, eat anything? Yeah. No, let's go. Let's go. That's your thing. That's like, yeah, every time I go. see you, it's like, let's go, dude. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the experience that she was like, okay, I'm going to teach you this. And she, she was like, you need to get one of these. You need to get one of these. You need to get one of these. And I'm like, and do two other things. She's like, too much food. I was like, it's fine. I'll take it back to my staff. We can all have it. And I listened to her talk to Nick and myself and the dishes that came out, um, was it for me? Was the beef not braised quite long enough? Was the texture of this not quite for me? Was it all of this? Yes. Um, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but do I want to go back there over and over again? Yes, because it's not about me. It's about the culture and the people that they're feeding because that place was jammed and like it was so amazing. Like I go walk into the restroom to wash my hands and a, a table physically like grabbed my arm and she stopped me and she's like, did you live in Nigeria? And I was like, I did not. Uh, she's like, do you really love Nigerian food? I was like, I, this is my first time. She's like, you look like you've been doing this forever. She's like, you attack that foo-foo like nobody's business. And I was like, I did what she told me to do, and it was awesome. And she was like, did you like it? I was like, loved it. Was it the food that I loved? I will learn to love it, right? Because that is of the culture, and that's the way that's cooked. It's not for me. Like, it's not cooked for me. It's cooked for the people that are going to that restaurant that love it and do it every day. And so... Now it's time for me to open my mind and be like, now I understand why this is a little bit uh, tougher, right? That, that why this is this flavor profile, why this is they use this green instead of this. Like it's not cooking for me. And that's when you can open that up and be, that's, it's a beautiful thing at that point. Then you can love all sorts of stuff. What was the, uh, the meat was toothsome, right? Very toothsome. Yeah. Yeah, and I've had that. Um, I had a big conversation with Marcus Samuelson about meat being very toothsome. Yeah, it was a big, big conversation. It's about the consistent chewing of the meat to release the flavor and feel more satiated. I didn't understand that because traditionally, like in classic Frenchman, it's braised. It's you know, cut it with a spoon, cut it with a spoon. your mouth, and it goes right down. And there's very little interaction with that protein. And when you talk about like how hard that protein is to source in a lot of times. You got to like you got to work that thing. Like it's got to be substantial and like it's going to be that way. And like when I understood all of that, it was such a beautiful experience. Isn't it interesting where we're in we're a culture with some of the best teeth in the world mm -hmm. and we want all our food really soft. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, that's true. Everybody, toothsome is a scary word for a lot of people. This octopus is a little bit toothsome. Mm-hmm. I like texture on octopus. Mm-hmm. I like it to be a little toothsome. I don't I want don't it to want be soft. I don't mm-hmm. want mud, right? No. And I think there's there's something to be said. You gain more flavor from it. Your 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 body reacts to it differently. Your taste buds react differently. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's and that's cool. Like I now I want to go there. Yeah, it was great. It was great, and they were so welcoming, so open, and that's. It's just when you, at first, you could tell they're guarded, but then when you break that wall and like just become like open to them, they everybody inherently wants to teach. And to show how proud they are, and that's. I mean, it's the same thing we do in a restaurant every day. Like I want to teach our guests. I want to be proud. Like I want to show. And it's just the same thing. It's just you're going into a circumstance where you're a little bit maybe timid about things. But that's the beauty of it. Because then at the end of it, man, you're so much better off as a human. And so if if everybody can do that in any city, not just here, like every city's got some sort of diversity that's happening. And that's our country. And that's the beauty of it. Um, and, and just being able to sit back and have those conversations is... It's how you you change your life. We're a country founded on immigrants. Embrace it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none of like very few of us were here. Like, no. and that's and that's that's a true statement. You may have come here before the new round yeah. of people that have come, but I, I mean, unless you're Native American, I don't really consider you from here. No, right. And that's, I mean, and I'm sure somebody's going to throw a stone at me for that, or maybe a boulder. No, no it's but fine. it's. I feel it's. I feel it's a very true statement. You know, we are a culture. Uh, 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 basically a, a country built off immigrants. We all moved here. Very much a very true statement. And Literally and figuratively. Yep. And in years to come, it's going to be amazing. You know? And yeah. just like, because now it's like that second generation or that, that you know, and the first generation that moved here and the second generation, like things change and food is the way to find that. So. That's great. And I think, Right now, um, speaking of that and the embracing of all that, you have a new book. Yeah, yeah, speaks all about that. Which is coming out when? September 3rd. Which is, I'm really, really excited. Yeah. I'm really excited and and I know this has been a big thing for you to, to do and you've been very excited about it and so it hits, it's available, people can pre-order now. Yeah, on all, all platforms. platforms, yeah. And uh Hopefully we'll be doing a dinner with you in San Francisco. I talked to him. That'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be a fun one because we have a lot of fun cooking together. And it's called "Cook Like a Local." That's (laughs) oddly enough. That's and I think you can't. I mean, you can't say that any better for here. No ingredients that'll change the way you look at the world. That's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of the philosophy that we live by. Um, It's just fun. That's great. That's great. And uh, you know, working through that process, it's it's not it's no easy task, is it? No. Not at all. But um, the goal of what we've been doing for a very long time is to, I know people are going to go to our restaurant. At least, you know, I hope so, right? But I want them to take something away from that, that like a flavor or something new or a different thought, you know, even like a preserve. It's, it's, it was the underbelly way. And so on the menu, it says, you know what, we appreciate. We give you with your check, it's like 50 things that, ins- 50 places that inspire us in the city, um, restaurants or people or just places. And so 
a lot of it is um, the majority of it is food driven places as you would normally go. So we give you the address and we tell you what's what to do there. And, um, and it says, you know, on the menu, it's like, we thank you for coming. Um, and we hope that you return again, but before you do, please visit at least one or two of these places along the way. And it's like, you can have it in your car and you'd be like, ah, oh, I'm on this part of the city. Okay. Where do I go? And boom, it's here. Like there's your map. It's our map to the city. But it gets, you know, I understand that people are going to come in. They're like, uh, man, what's that chili paste that you guys use? Like gochujang. I love that dish. Okay, now go try this. Go eat it here. And so they do. And it makes me really proud and happy that when I walk into a restaurant and I see some of our guests there dining, I feel like we're, we're doing our part to be a better city. It's supporting your community. Yeah. We got to do this together. I can't take all 4 million people every night. <laughs> like, there ain't no way. So, like, but it's 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 giving back in a bigger way where we learn from each other, we share with each other, we grow with each other. Yeah. Because if we don't, you know, you're all alone in a corner. Yeah. That's no fun. Because I, I think as a chef, when people, the, probably one of the bigger questions that people ask you all the time is like, where do you like to eat? Oh yeah, outside of your own places. I'm like, look, I don't really eat in my own places that much. So let's be honest. Like I taste things there all the time. It's delicious, but like, I want to get out and see something new. And they're like, what do you go eat? I'm like, give me a culture. And they're like, uh, this, I'm like this, 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 or this, depending on if I want this. And then like, can you write that down? I'm like, yes, here you go. So it's like being that voice for people that don't normally always have a bigger voice, you know, always speak for everybody when you can, you know, don't always speak for everybody, but like, when it comes to food, like support everybody because yeah, we all have to do it. Everybody's hustling. Yeah. Like, it ain't getting any easier. No, <laughs> not at all. You know, it's part of it. All right. So I do this pretty straightforward questions. I ask everybody. So beef or pork? Man. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer either, though. Exactly. <laughs> um, pork unless i'm at the steakhouse then beef but yeah <laughs> <laughs> hamburger hot dog burger man Nah, god these are tough i know that's why they're there what do you come we on we do this in the kitchen all the time and i'm like ah, stop with that like it's too hard to make the decision because i do like a hot dog in case meats are some of my favorite things on the oh, face of the case planet meats are magic so maybe it's a better thing like burger or encased meat I'm going to go in case meat. Okay. That does, just for those of you folks out there, that does encompass sausages yes. of all forms. Yes. <laughs> and salami. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going that route. Okay. So, nigiri sashimi? Nigiri. Red or white? White. Hmm. Sparkling or rosé? And just because you wore a mullet and I had the rosé dinner yeah. <laughs> the other day, um, yeah, it depends on the situation. Fair answer. Chocolate or fruit? Uh, am I somewhere where the fruit's in season and it's really delicious? Then fruit. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Beer or tequila? Um, bourbon. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Sea urchin or caviar? Sea urchin. Only if it's really good, though. Not, I mean, it's kind of on the same boundaries, but yeah. Pasta or ramen? 
kind of the same in a way. Not really. The kind of they're both boiled bread. Okay, let's yeah. break that down to yeah. a basic, simple thing. But for for yeah, I knew you were gonna. Yeah, for you always for every day. Okay, margarita or a pepperoni? Uh, pepperoni. Yeah, it goes back to the encased meat thing. <laughs> uh, see question one. <laughs> yeah, right. Go back to that one. <laughs> okay, so. I can't say thank you enough for everything. You have been not only uh, a great friend, but also a huge, huge, just, I would say, inspiration for me to look back at myself and a lot of things that we do every day. And and, uh, you've definitely showed me a great deal of how to stop and look. Well, I think we all live in a world at some point where we can look back and be like, man, I need to be better. And at some point, we all become that. And um, it's just making that decision to do, you know, cool things that make sense. It's it's hard to stop and look at yourself in the mirror and yeah. and agree that there are things that you are not doing as well as you should mm-hmm. and you could do better. And I think you have inspired so many to do that in a way. Thank you. Um, without beating us over the head. Yeah. And I think that's been a really great way because – for so long, for so many years, people tell you, right? They say to you, you need to do this. You need to do this. You, you know, what you've done is you've led by an amazing example. And so many people want to follow. And they just don't know how. And they're trying to figure out how to get themselves from point A to point B to make things better in the bigger scope of things. And I want to say thank you for doing the right thing for so many. And thank you so much. Pushing a lot of us to take our proverbial heads out of our asses to figure out what is right and wrong. Well, we, we all work together as a team. Yeah. Whether we're at the same restaurant or not, but we all work together as a team and, and, and just in life. And so we all got to be there for each other. I think that's the biggest thing that I have to say is like, we're not all in the same cities. We're not all, all next door neighbors, but when the shit hits the fan, we've all got each other's back. Have to have to. And I think that's to me has been one of the most amazing things about our friendship has been, we've always had each other's backs. Appreciate that. And I can't say thank you enough. No, thank you. Thanks for welcome to the city too. Thanks man. Thanks for playing on my crazy podcast. Open arms. (laughs) Let's go. Let's have some fun. That's going to be your new motto. Let's go. Let's go.